is the Celestial Seasonings Wildberry Zinger Herbal Tea. Yummy. This is one of my favorite ones. I just splashed it on me again. Why am I incapable of doing things? Because you're special. <laughs> Ooh, that's hot, though. Ooh, that's really hot. Ooh, this is hotter than the last one. Careful. It smells like a fruit leather. Oh, what? Oh, <laughs> oh a fruit leather. Like the, like the fruit strips. I thought you said a fruit lover. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it also smells like that. I mean, it would make sense. Okay. I mean, I am a fruit lover, so it smells like me. You want to open it, Chloe? I want to take a sip and not burn my tongue first. Okay, go for it. <laughs> There's something off about it. I don't like it. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? I don't know. I think it's because it tastes more like leaf water than it does like fruit. <laughs> it's not as fruity. But... If you could see the face palm that Kat just did at me. <laughs> Welcome to Spooky Time Tea, the show where we talk about ghosts, schools, murders, mysteries, and everything in between, all while enjoying a cup of tea. It's like a tea party, but spooky. What are we talking about today, Chloe? Uh, so we are continuing Monstober with um, my monster, the very classic Frankenstein. Holla. Oh, I love Frankenstein. Oh, I thought I knew. Well, here's the thing. Before this, I did not do monsters or monster movies or anything. And so I picked Frankenstein because it was like, it's old enough where I think I won't be scared by it. And so I looked at it. It was a really good story. It's really good. It's um, a great story. I'm mostly interested in Mary Shelley and her backstory before she wrote this. So that's just like a whole other like downward internet spiral I fell down while doing the research. But it's really cool. Anyways, uh, my sources for this episode was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, obviously. Wikipedia, Spark Notes, Cliff Notes, because I can't read. <laughs> And also the 2017 film Mary Shelley starring Elle Fanning and uh, Douglas Booth, who, by the way, was sculpted by Greek gods. <laughs> like, <laughs> that man. Whew. I'm so glad that I found that because I'm the one that told yes, you Yes, you told it. me about it. And it was it's it's on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, yes. check it out. It's, it's legit just called Mary Shelley. So it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's, it's my top five favorite movies right now. I didn't do my homework. <laughs> oh. I didn't watch it. I'm oh. sorry. I will, though, because you guys raved about it, and it sounds really good. Top five favorites. Okay. Like, just of any movie ever. It's just, like, the whole, like, uh, the whole backstory of her life and, like, everything that, like, went into, like, her story and stuff, like... And her story inside of of itself is incredible. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I am going to start with a little bit of her story because I like his... uh, I like history, I like her story, and fuck you, it's my episode. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Mary Shelley, the author of Frankenstein, she was the daughter of a political philosopher, uh, who was considered radical for the time and also was considered an anarchist. Uh, all right. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Pretty fucking wild. We love it. And her mother was, um, a philosopher and a feminist activist, Mary Wollstonecraft, who wrote a vindication of the, uh, rights of a woman or rights of women. Wow. Mm-hmm. She was very yeah. she was uh, very popular around that time. Total badass. Um, Mary Shelley's mother died within a month of having Mary. Uh, so she was raised by her father and uh, later on, additionally, a stepmother with whom she never really had a great relationship mm-hmm. with at all, ever. Her father provided her a, quote, rich, if informal education, incurring, encouraging her to <laughs> adhere to his anarch- anarchist political theories, end quote. Side note, the Wollstonecraft, Godwin, Shelley household all appeared to be par- uh, part of the very early version of the free love movement. movement. Nice. Yeah, like early 1800s. Wow. Late 1700s. That's awesome. <laughs> It it was amazing. I loved it. So, in 1814, at the age of around 16 or 17, Mary Shelley, at the time Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin, began her love affair with her future husband, Percy Bysshe Shelley. Yes, his middle name slash secondary surname is Bysshe. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part of the movie is when they said his name. I was like, oh, Bysshe. <laughs> Can we just start using that word for bitch instead? So now, like, instead of saying Well, bish, that's what Chloe say says. Yes. She says bitch. We're going to say bish. I've been doing. I, I've been but saying I mean, bitch. Like, I want to start getting in on that just because. Oh, yeah. But what now. What a bitch. What a bitch. But now it's on. We are of the next level of smarter than you. <laughs> <laughs> it's an intellectual bitch. <laughs> Intellectual. New stickers coming out, intellectual bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, 
Percy Bysshe Shelley was married at the time of his, uh, the beginning of his affair with Mary. Um, also, he was 21 or 22. How old was she? 16 or 17. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, not, well, I don't encourage this, and I hate that this is, it was of the time. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. That the, doesn't it was make it right. back then. But it was the norm back Even then. Even back then, like, they would still marry, like, when they were 12. I was about yeah. to say the legal marrying age back then was extremely young. Yes. yes was never right, but that was of the time, and that is how I'm explaining it now. Anyways, uh, they married in late 1618, so now Mary Shelley's around 18, mm-hmm. after the news of, of Shelley's first wife's, uh, trigger warning, suicide. Aww. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, page flip. I was smart, or er, I was uh, not smart, and used a notebook, so you'll hear a lot of page flipping. Um, so getting into how this... Can I help you? (laughs) You were like, I was not smart and used a a journal, so you'll hear a lot of page flipping. And my mind went to, wait, but that's actually pretty smart. And then my mind went to, you intellectual bitch. (laughs) We're coming full circle real soon. (laughs) Very soon. Okay. So the... The story of the creation of the story of Frankenstein is really interesting. So just prior to their marriage, Mary and Percy spent the summer in Geneva, Switzerland with uh, Lord Byron and Dr. Polidori, who, if you remember from last week's episode, wrote The Vampire, spelled with a Y, um, and Claire Claremont, who was Mary's stepsister. During the summer trip, the group of writers and poets, that's what most of them were, had gathered around and it was suggested that they each come up with a ghost story. And this was the start of Frankenstein, or also known as the modern Prometheus. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Another publication to come from this contest was The Vampire, originally and falsely credited to Lord Byron. Later, Dr. Uh, Polidori received full credit for his work um, as the true author. However, it was after he died. Can I Uh, straight up say how incredibly fucked up that is that it, Lord yeah. Byron like stole basically oh yeah that. that is it was mm, that's upsetting like especially like oh, having yeah. some, your own work stolen from you mm-hmm. is and the like, author didn't get credit for it until after he killed himself yeah my uh my author next week plays a part in that sort of mm-hmm. not like a not like a major part but he plays a part in the um fighting for intellectual property Ooh, oh, I'm excited. Uh, see, all of our books are like intertwining. Well, because they all happened around the same era. I know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, it's kind of cool. Mine's, mine's much later, but, well, not much later. Mine's a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But, yes. Yeah. Well, they yours. influence each other. Like, yours you... is later than mine, but before hers, because hers is 19, 1890s. Yours came out before mine, because remember. Stoke... Mine came out before yours. Or yours came out before Yeah. Mine, but yours also came out because. Yes. Uh, Stoker got inspiration from, from Mary Shelley and all the other yes books. yeah, yeah. Um, so quick fun fact before we jump in a lot of historians consider this novel to be the very first science fiction novel really yeah that's very interesting because most novels have like an aspect of like magic or fantasy this is purely science based true I mm. think I think actually when we read this in my like senior year English class that's what we were taught was that it was the history's first science fiction novel. Makes sense though, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of science-based like stuff going on in in the book itself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and um, if you watch the movie Mary Shelley, and again, I take movies with a grain of salt because they are there are artistic differences that had like and changes that have to be made. Like the, uh, that time period was like a whole scientific revolution. It was the romantic period in writing, but science was like really starting to come up and become popular. Like, in the movie, they go and they see a science show where they electrocute a frog and it, a dead frog and it moves. Yeah. And so that's kind of what the movie describes as her initial spark into... Mm-hmm. Um, Getting, like, and, she seemed intrigued, at least in the movie. Like, yes, reanimation like, yeah. seemed like it really grasped her attention, especially with the loss that Mary Shelley considered, because she lost, I think it was two children oh, at wow. very young ages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very young ages. Um, she only had one living son, and so later in her life, she 
goes on to just focus on raising her son, stops writing. Um, but that's after her husband's death. He dies when he's 29, um, I think, drowning. Really, really tragic. Mary Shelley experienced a lot of loss in her life, and it was really sad. Poor girl. The Start of Frankenstein, it is a frame narrative story. So, for those of you listening at home that don't know this, or for explaining it for mostly myself, a frame narrative story is a story that takes place within another story. So, we open up on um, letters from Robert Walton. Hold on. I didn't write his name down to the end of my notes because I'm smart. <laughs> but you are because I... you're an intellectual bitch. <laughs> I'm going to make yes, that okay. joke as many times as physically possible. Please do. <laughs> intellectual bitches look here's the thing if percy bish shelley looked like douglas booth i would gladly be a bish (laughs) (laughs) um okay yes so the story starts and they're the start of this book they're not chapters they're letters from robert walton who's a captain on a ship looking for i don't know something i forgot writing back home to his sister margaret and so he's telling her things, blah, blah, blah. And then he starts telling her the story that he found a man on... So for lack of a better word, because I cannot think of it, Ice Island, but very small and probably not comfortable. So Robert Walton finds this man and his team of dying dog sled dogs. Oh, no. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, on this, like, abandoned, like, Ice Island afloat adrift in Northern Oceans, Europe. I don't fucking geography takes him on board and then he's this man is victor frankenstein oh yeah and so he starts telling him his story preface uh frankenstein is the scientist and not the monster so throughout this episode i will be calling him the monster versus like victor or frankenstein for like the human that created him yeah (laughs) um there's also some notable differences in between um the book and what i perceived the movie to be because i didn't have actually i didn't actually have time to watch it in my week of research because I've been busy. Um, but but there's the stereotypes that you know of Frankenstein in the story that are not in the original book. Right. So, real quick, Shelley intertwines her own childhood into that of Victor Frankenstein. She had a host of half-siblings and a stepmother. Victor had an adopted sibling slash cousin they called her a cousin even though like families back then had like a weird dynamic of what you called people victor's mother died from scarlet fever when he was very young victor starts his story before he's born his parents have a considerable age gap his father is like well to do are you okay (laughs) if i were that that captain on that boat i'd be like whoa 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 whoa. let's fast forward a little bit my guy (laughs) not incorrect Because me reading this book, I was like, okay, but, like, where does the monster come into play here? It doesn't entirely. Anyways, starts before his birth. Mm -hmm. His father is, like, a well-to-do Genevian. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, Not sure, but, yeah, something (laughs) like that. It's okay. We we butcher a lot of uh, names on the show, so. (laughs) We are not, in fact, intellectual bitches. (laughs) Ugly Americans party of three. <laughs> Hello. I mean, I did say Wallachia. And what was it? <laughs> Wallachia. <laughs> which, so. again, which again, I've gotten straight out of Castlevania. So, so that could, could be, be totally wrong, incorrect. So who knows? He goes off to find an old friend of his who is now living in squalor, who was once like a great merchant, uh, tracks him down. And this man is like now was like once very rich. Now is living in poverty and sickly. And he tries to help his friend. His friend dies. And while he's out trying to help his friend, he comes back and he sees his friend's daughter weeping over his coffin. And so right. he... It's upsetting. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really sad. And so then, uh, long story short, he ends up marrying her. Uh, oh, all right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. And so they get married, and then they decide that they're just going to, like, flaunt themselves throughout Europe. They travel Europe. You know what? If you're going to do it, <laughs> I guess go big or go home. I would love to. I would love to. I want to go travel. Me too. Guys, get us big enough so we can tour Europe, please. Fuck COVID. And then we can go look at all the spooky sites. Oh my god. <gasps> yes. Can we do an episode from a castle? Yes, oh my gosh. we absolutely yes, can. Guys, go and see Dracula's castle. there's a castle up the highway for <laughs> to get us started. That's Is it really? Right. Yes. Here, if it's a castle in Texas, it's not a real castle. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty castle-like, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, we can go and check it out just to pretend. We can pretend we're... we're can, can I wear a princess dress and a tiara? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> okay, you didn't hear those songs. Okay. <laughs> All right, moving on. Anyways, they're traveling out throughout Europe, and then they have Victor while they're in Naples, Italy. Oh. For a long time, he's their only kid. They dote on him. He's their 
angel, they're like the gift given to them to raise by God. That's usually how firstborns are anyways, if they have more kids than you. I'm not going to make a comment on that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I said usually. His mother, Caroline, um, having come from poverty herself and like being rescued by her now husband, feels entitled to help the poor, which was great. One day while they're, I think, still in Italy, they see this family and this impoverished girl and they get to know the girl and they ask the family, can we adopt her? Because that's how adoptions worked back then. You see a kid you like, pay for him. If only adoption was like that today. No, it is. And you, it's dark. There's a twisted. Oh, oh, yeah. There's not like that then. There, there's a series on Hulu called Taken at Birth. Oh, God. About just quick Mm -hmm. side. Yeah, no. So quick side rant. Um, Hulu has this show called Taken at Birth about all of these babies that like, was it 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s or like 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, A doctor was helping women give birth. And depending on the woman's scenario, he would either, um, the woman would either like fully knowingly give this man her baby and he would sell it out the back door. Wait a minute. Were we talking about this before? Yes. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. And um, in other cases, he would tell these women falsely that their children had died during Mm -hmm. birth and then he would sell the babies out the back door. Yep. Yep. I remember. It's like out the back door of like a pizza shop too. Yeah. It was something absolutely ridiculous. Um, And yeah, so. Nope, it's definitely a Okay, dark... not quite like that, but I mean, like, I wish adoption was easier yes. than what it is today. Our foster care system and adoption needs to be heavily improved, definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the parents, at the time, seeing how wealthy and well-off and loving this family is, decide that, yes, you can adopt this daughter um, or whoever she is to them, I forget. Um, this is Elizabeth Victor's now um adopted sibling they call her cousin elizabeth victor's mom dies from scarlet fever later on uh there's two more sons born to them later on so there's victor elizabeth and then i know there's william but there's one more i don't remember his name it doesn't come up victor's mother dies from scarlet fever um and on her deathbed she says that it was her dying wish that victor and elizabeth get married Alrighty then that's how things worked back then too again not condoning this behavior but yeah, and there was like that's your, and they weren't biologically related in any way. I mean, true. Yeah. But it's still like they were raised together. Was yeah. it like just because they wanted to keep the family close, kind of thing? Like kind of, and I think it's like the wanting the best for your kid, and just like also like maybe the daydreamy imagery of like I ship them, like the shipping before shipping was a thing. Or they just don't <laughs> want their kids to be alone. It could be that too. Yeah. Or like maybe it was like a duty to because she grew up poor, keep Elizabeth cared for. After she and her husband were gone. So Victor goes off to university in another country, Germany. We almost just lost the teapot. (laughs) On my lap. Victor goes to university in another country, I think Germany, Ingolstadt, which gives me very German vibes, and becomes enthralled with sciences. He is in love with science. Kind of near the end of his schooling, he thinks about going home, but he also has this, like, semi-newfound newfound drive for a new experiment. And uh, this experiment is creating life from death. So he spends the spring and fall, yeah, spring, spring through fall, collecting body parts from morgues and cemeteries and obsessing over it relentlessly, uh... To the point of not answering his family's letters of like, hey, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> uh, we haven't heard from you in a while, Mickey boy. <laughs> What's going on out there? Hey, Frankie. Still alive? No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a fun squeak in my voice. It takes Victor two years to successfully create Frankenstein. I just want you to know the time, uh, the amount of time. Okay. That you this mean is the going. monster? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, there is my... Uh, Societal training kicking in right there. Uh, It takes Victor two years to create his monster. And by the end of this whole thing, he realizes he has not been home in six years. Like college and creating the monster and shit. In November, he is finally successful and and brings his monster to life. However, he's excited and terrified all at the same time. And he runs from his apartment. Just leaves with the living monster you created this. <laughs> Why are you running? Is he like Why are you running? Like- so, okay. So when he was when he was envisioning this monster, when he was collecting all the parts, he wanted to make this thing monstrously large and like a superhuman. He wanted to create a superhuman. Mm-hmm. So his monster is eight feet tall. 
Good oh, lord. And also, like, yellow eyes, and he's built from different body parts of different dead people. It's and so, like, creepy. it's creepy. And he looks monstrous. Like we said in last week's episode, if you looked even remotely off back then, like, something was wrong with you and you were a monster. Oh, yeah. Because vanity and... But, I mean, of course this monster is going to look, like, off because it's different body parts from different people and they're all going to look different. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but he is uh, terrified and runs away because he's a little bitch. And he leaves his monster behind in the apartment. Um, he wanders around the streets. I think he sleeps on the streets for a couple of days. Like, he will not go back to his apartment. Um, he wanders the streets until he finds his childhood friend, Henry Clairville. Just finds him in the street. Henry finds him in very poor condition. Sick with worry, question mark, is what I had written down. <laughs> Probably. He does this a lot in this book. He's constantly sick with worry. Mm -hmm. Henry had come to visit Victor, and he also was going to enroll in university. And also at this time, like, when you come for visits, you're there for, like, months. This is not short trips. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, so they go back to Victor's apartment, which is now empty. Victor manages to convince his friends, like, hey, just stay down here We're just real quick. I'm going to check something. I'm going to go upstairs. I'll be right back. Goes up the stairs to check to see if the monster's still there. He's not, so he brings Henry up. <laughs> he just checks to make sure that this reanimated corpse is still hanging out in his apartment. <laughs> like, it's made itself dinner and breakfast <laughs> and some coffee. Not yet. <laughs> Upon seeing the lack of an eight-foot monster, Victor collapses in a fit of emotions. Joy, his monster is gone. Exhaustion, probably. Release of anxiety. Panic of the disappearance of his monster, all probably <laughs> I mean, mixed into one. What the hell did he think was gonna happen? Oh, I'm for guess, real. I, this thing probably wanted out. Like you left him alone. Poor thing. Why did you even create him? It's funny. It's funny you say that because loneliness is a real key point in this story. Like it's a whole, like it's the reason for the story. When people originally started reading it, it was like, what really scared me, what really chilled me was like the companionship that he wanted and he never got. And he was just lonely. And I felt that. And I was like, feeling damn. Abandoned. Damn. Like feeling abandoned. Yeah, too, exactly. Sure. So Henry spends the winter and spring helping Victor get back to 100% because Homeboy was not okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> and he tells Victor, he's like, you need to write home because he just got another family. He just got another letter from his family. Uh, this letter is from Elizabeth. Uh, one of those long 18th century letters that tells you everything <laughs> that you don't need to know. I the flowers are blooming. I had toast. Dad's like off his rocker again. Um, I mean, I would want to know if my dad was off his rocker. <laughs> I'm just like, that, that Yeah, no, no, no. But like yeah. the long things. And she tells him about uh, Justine Moritz, their new house housekeeper and friend that I guess they kind of rescued from an abusive household. She describes her as kind and good and loyal despite coming from an abusive and mistreating household, which like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but like a lot of experience that I have like with people from abusive households is there. And this is not a generalization. This is just my experience. Very kind people because they had to be. And like everyone's different for every circumstance and we need to fix situations like this. But yeah, I was like, you, she's not going to be like a massive bitch. Like it's just this. So Victor and Henry begin to study together at school. Don't come home. Don't remember if he writes back or not. Just meh. He's just like, meh. Here's the thing. Hope we didn't give a fuck. <laughs> He's busy. He's got other things on his mind, like an eight foot tall giant. <laughs> Who is currently out wandering the streets. God knows where. So far. Um, they study things like ancient and foreign languages and other old timey things. And, you know, stuff the boys like. <laughs> okay. Ancient languages. Latin, probably. Plans for Victor's return to Geneva are made for the fall, but inevitably plans change as they do in his departure is moved off till May. Before he leaves, he gets a letter from his dad. The letter tells him he needs to return home immediately. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. William, his youngest brother, has been murdered. Oh, shit. Like a small child. By whom? We'll find out later. Okay. Uh, the family had gone out for a walk, and the boy had ran run ahead. Uh, they later found his body sprawled out with the, finger of the, uh, the print of the murderer's finger on his neck. This is obviously before fingerprinting and DNA was a thing. So it was just like this probably, like, I imagine like a bruise of the finger on his neck. Probably, yeah. 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 So he heads home. He packs his shit and leaves. However, when he gets there, like the gates of Geneva are closed because I guess gates for cities closed back then and you couldn't just like, show up at 2 a.m. Um, so he has to like wait in like a nearby town or forest or something. And he sees a monster in flashes of lightning. 
during the story. Like a lightning flashes and he sees the silhouette of his monster and the flashes again and oh, it disappears. Shit. Yeah. And the monster runs once he realizes his creator saw him. Victor knows in that moment that his creation was his brother's murder. Mm. So the gates of his town finally open in the morning and he joins his family, learning that Justine, the housekeeper, had been accused of his brother's murder. He and everyone in the family is sure she's innocent, but they're like, yeah, no, she did it. But, like, they don't truly believe it because just of the kind of person she was. He tries to convince the others of her innocence without outing his creation uh, to the world in fear his sanity would be questioned because they're like, I created an eight-foot-tall monster and he killed her. And they're like, <laughs> all right, someone with a really big net's going to come get you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to do that. The family themselves hardly believes it was Justine at all until she confesses. I think, what? Yeah, I think it's like coerced or something. Yeah, I was about to say that sounds like she just confessed because they told her to. Yes. Or something told yeah. her to someone. Justine has tried the next morning. This is swift justice. Wow. And in, swift and incorrect justice. Yeah. She has tried the next morning and Elizabeth gives a character testimony and she's convicted and she's to be hung for her crimes the next day. Oh, that's Oh, my mess. God. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then she's hung for her crimes the next day. That is really swift, like you said. Yeah, very swift, very inaccurate, and... Not right. And now Victor views this as two deaths on his hands and goes into a deep state of depression. Oh. <laughs> I was about to say, meanwhile, Victor Frankenstein's walking around town going, here, puppy, puppy, <laughs> and whistling. <laughs> oh, no, he's not seeking out his monster at all. I mean, yeah, that, that makes sense. He's terrified of this thing. He doesn't yeah. want to see it or... To try and... Uh, to rest and work through his depression he travels for a bit because that's what you do in these times it's like you're not feeling well you travel like you go you get a change of air that was a thing i wish that was a thing now same i wish i just i I need a break i can't breathe here i'm going to london for a week be so nice guys one day we can do that one day i'm manifesting this here and now one day we can and we will yeah just need to get passports i have one i don't I don't. I need money. <laughs> to try and rest and work through his depression, he travels for a bit, and during these travels, he takes a tour of a nearby mountain where his monster confronts him. Just, uh, like, shows up and is like, hey, my guy, how do you find him? Uh, I wrote, Victor's ready to throw hands. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Victor is ready to throw some rounds. Put up I, them dupes. I want a 2020 version of Frankenstein where we say <laughs> Where we say shit like, Victor's going to throw hands. Um, Victor is ready to fight to the death, but his monster convinces him to listen to his story. So now the monster's our narrator. It's a lot of shifting. The monster recalls his early... The monster is very smart. Yeah, very intelligent. And very... He's he's an intellectual bitch. (laughs) Damn it. Um, The monster's really smart. The monster's really smart. I needed to not get that squeak in my voice. Um, I think it's cute when you do I that. hate it. I also hate my laugh. I don't I don't like the squeaks in him. Um, he recalls his earliest memories of how he came to be um, in a more existential way than, like, why am I... Like, the more existential, like, why am I the way I am sort of being way and not, like, he electrocuted me and now I'm here. Like, yeah. <laughs> After his initial jolt to life and abandonment from his creator, he flees the city where he is feared and not welcomed and becomes an inhabitant of the forest. He learns to survive, forage, steal food, and on occasion seek shelter very rarely available. Eventually, he finds a dilapidated shed called a hovel next to a small cottage, and he makes this his new home and begins to observe the daily life of the family that lives in the cottage. Brother and sister Felix and Agatha and their blind father. He becomes heavily invested in their lives. This is his keeping up with the Kardashians. This is his real housewives. This is his Chrisley knows best. This is his <laughs> This is his life. He's like living vicariously through watching the daily lives of these people. But it's more boring and there's no petty fights and subtweeting. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he takes notice of this family's cares and concerns and notices how poor the family is and they have very little food to share between the three of them. And he learns that they used to be a very well-to-do French family and they had been exiled to Germany. I'll get to why in a second. Through them, the monster begins to learn French. Wow. Okay. Ambitious. This, This monster is smarter than me. He wants to keep his companions 
quote unquote, happy. So he uh, secretly and unknowingly starts to do repairs and such around the cottage and around their land. Aww. Yeah, he's sweet. He just wants friends. Like me. <laughs> You're my friend. I was um, going to say, uh... Hello? <laughs> what are we, chopped liver? No, I'm never discounting you guys. I just okay. I just always want more friends. Well, good. And he develops a daily routine and does his thing as seasons change from winter to spring. Blah, blah, blah. So one day, um, Felix's long-lost love, Safi, shows up one day. Just out of nowhere. The dad or the brother? The dad. Or okay. No, no, no. Sorry. Wait. The brother. Okay. The okay. brother. No. They're like, they're siblings, but they're like older and they live with their blind father. Yes. Their elderly blind father. So Felix's long lost love shows up and she's the daughter of a man that Felix had saved the life of and Felix placed her in a convent for her protection. So she got out of the convent and she came and now she's like there with them. This says she and her dad are the reason why they're in exile in Germany. The reason the family was exiled was because Felix saved Safi's father from a death sentence from a very biased justice system. Safi and her father were Turkish mm. in France. Yeah. And racism existed forever. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And so Felix saved Safi's father. And once the French government found out, took the family's wealth and exiled them to Germany. Uh, so she shows up and they reunite and they uh, she starts to learn French, which helps the monster learn French even more. And he also learns a brief history of Europe because I guess that's what you talk about when there's no TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Uh, so he starts to view his, this family as his protectors. Um, they do nothing. They do nothing. They're just his friends. They're his unknowing friends. That's creepy. They, they didn't know they were his friends. <laughs> he starts following them around their house, like, room by room, like Spider-Man from Denver. <laughs> he doesn't actually do that. I'm kidding. He's eight foot tall. And you're like, is that my shadow? <laughs> Here's the thing. It's the cottages. And this story takes place in, like, 1700. So, like, he's bumping his head on all the beams. Those cottages are short. Um, so the monster starts to educate himself further by reading books and notes he found in Victor's jacket that I think think he took when he left originally ah okay that makes um, sense. don't know how it fits but he has it and there's <laughs> multiple books and some notes in this jacket it's a very large jacket i imagine like a mary poppins bag of jacket pockets well you know in a lot of the iterations of frankenstein he's wearing like a ripped up jacket so maybe mm-hmm. he just put it on like that's where yeah. it came from yeah I, that's what i would imagine also like he's eight feet tall i can't imagine clothes would fit him no. ever no. It's mostly required reading that Victor had for school um, that was influenced by the romantic movement in England. Those types of readings got him to question his existence. Okay. Yeah. So there's like one that has to do with, oh, I can, let me pull it up on my phone. But it has to do with like, it talks about Adam and Eve's creation and how God had made Eve so that Adam had a companion. He's like, well, what am I? And where's mine? Mm, Right. Yeah. Gotcha. And so the monster reads them and then he finds Victor's notes of his creation and starts to read the notes of how he came to be um this intrigues and disgusts and haunts him all at once there's a lot of mixed emotions in this book mostly disgust and haunting and uh maybe that's enough of those sweetie no <laughs> i dropped a pixie stick i'm sorry good job yes so disgust and haunt and utter self-hatred is a really ever-present emotion in this it should also be noted that his protectors um his protectors lives have improved since are we just busting out all the candy while I can't eat any because I'm talking? No. I'm so mad. <laughs> Guys, candy's my favorite. <gasps> That's got a Bella hair on it. I can't touch it now. All around me are familiar faces. Five second rule. I don't like the only five-second rule I adhere to is that if you are going to make a comment on someone's appearance, if it can't be fixed in five seconds, don't say shit. <laughs> she had no problem with it. Cat, on the other hand. <laughs> okay. It's also noted that his quote-unquote protectors' lives have significantly improved, at least morale-wise, since the arrival of Safi. Um, after months of waiting and watching the family, he decides he, the monster decides he's finally going to take action and introduce himself. He has a plan. <laughs> You're really trying to not crinkle that bag, yeah, and it's, it's not crinkle working. the bag. They know we have candy. We have candy. <laughs> Here's the thing. We never claim to be professionals at this. People no. like us because it sounds like they're here with us, and you are. You're in our hearts always. Mwah. You're one of us. One of us. One, one of us. us. Now that the cult shit is over. 
So he waits until the young family members uh, leave for a walk and approaches the blind father in hopes... This sounds very predatory. <laughs> approaches the blind father in hopes to win him over since he can't see what Frankenstein's monster looks like. Like, ah. He's like, you can't see that I am a monster. You can only hear me. And although my voice sucks because it's vocal cords from eight different people. Oh, my God. <laughs> That was an exaggeration for a joke. I, it was probably the vocal cords from one head. It's fine. Um, uh, they talk for a little bit, but as he's about to ask for friendship and let him know he is the one that is silent, he's been like the silent fixer around their area. The kids, kids in quotes, because they're adults, return and they see the monster holding their father's arm. Like mm. he's, he's like this. Mm-hmm. And that looks threatening. Yeah, especially when you're eight feet tall. Yes. So Agatha faints, Safi runs away, and uh, Felix starts beating the fuck out of the monster. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, He flees. He briefly thinks about killing Felix, but he doesn't because, like, emotional attachment. And he hides out in the forest. He waits for the family to return to the cottage, debating his future and whether or not he's going to, like, try to explain himself or questioning his existence. The fourth existential crisis of the day probably (laughs) relatable i'm trying not to think about it (laughs) so while he's waiting he sees that felix has like been he comes back to the cottage and he's talking with some other men um and they're talking about their the other men are saying well you know you're gonna lose all the vegetables in your garden and you're gonna have to pay three months rent he's breaking their lease and they're moving from that cottage Mm. and the guy that they're leasing it from is very like hey are you sure you want to do this like what's going on and he's like we can't stay here something like traumatic and traumatizing and crazy happened like it's not safe for us because they don't know any better. Right. Um, so with no purpose left in his current place and still ever present and the still ever present need for companionship, he leaves and sets off on another journey. He manages to make his way to Geneva, where he crosses paths with unknowingly William Frankenstein. I've also in my research seen that like he tries to befriend the boy, but the boy screams. In this version, um, in what I was taking notes from, that was also not the book. He says that once he learns that this is Victor's youngest brother. Um, he kills William and takes the locket of his mother's miniature, which I think is just like a little picture of the mother in the locket, and he plants that in Justine's dress pocket. Oh, no. Yeah. And thus his murderous rampage begins. The monster concludes his story to Frankenstein and requests that Victor recreate his experiment for um, to make the monster a mate. Okay, he doesn't request it. He demands it. Um, yep. If Victor refuses, the monster threatens his downfall. Victor sees his point and agrees. <laughs> it was really more, he sees his point as like, I'm alone. Like, you created me, but you created me to be lonely. Like, fix this shit, bitch. Victor returns to Geneva to start his research um, in how to create his next uh, creation. Kind of figure out how the, his next monster is going to be formed. He wants to know the scientific advancements in the community since his first monster, because time has passed etc etc he tells his father that he wants to go on a tour to london and promises that he'll marry elizabeth when he returns from that remember they're basically betrothed mm-hmm. yeah um he's like hey i'm going on a trip i'll marry the bitch when i get back but like i guess they like actually loved each other because oh. because the whole book he's like well my sweet elizabeth is very fragile and it's crying and this and this and this so and he, he likes her. Yeah. He leaves Geneva and travels around for a bit before finally making it to London a few months later. He left in September and arrived to London in late Nova- uh, late December. So he's traveling around for a bit. And also, it takes time to travel back then. We don't have planes. Also, his friend Henry Clairvaux is with him. He decided to hop along. He's probably, like, interested in, Just like, come with his him. research and stuff, though, too. Henry has no idea what's going on. But he's about to. Nope. No. No. Really? He's just like... I want to go. I'll go with you. Victor is the secret keeper I need in my life because <laughs> no one knows a goddamn thing. I yeah. How? How? I don't know. Um, so the two tour around London and make plans to see the rest of the country. Henry's happy and having a grand old time. Victor's brooding and angsty, and I like. I picture Henry is just very bouncy and peppy and like walking with rainbows behind him, and Victor standing next to him and it's raining on him, and he's like got under eyeliner and listening <laughs> listening to My Chemical Romance. Yeah, I was gonna say like for for his friend, it's like. I'm walking on sunshine. sunshine. Yeah, no, that's yeah. no, that's exactly how it is. Henry is very like the happy peppy. Like Henry's a puppy dog, honestly. Aww. And Victor hates the world. 
And he's still uh, researching the creation of his new monster, unbeknownst to Henry. They go to Oxford and get invited to Scotland. Um, and Victor suggests that that is where they part ways. It's like, hey, you're, you go do your thing. He got I'm real go tired do- of Henry. <laughs> As a Henry, I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are like, I'm a Lorelei. I'm a Rory. I'm a Henry. <laughs> Victor makes his way to a barely inhabited village on the Orkney Islands. I think that's how you say it. It's O-R-K-N. EY? Yeah, yeah. The Orkney Island chain, barely inhabited village, goes there because no one's going to bug him. He gathers his research, but is miserable and depressed and morally conflicted, obviously. Um, all the while, Henry is oblivious to Victor's goings-ons and the gallivanting happily on his mm-hmm. tour of the country. Victor begins the process of creating a female monster. The original monster had been following Victor the whole time, secretly watching. Uh, so he's watching the creation of his bride. Bride of Frankenstein, anybody? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. There it is. This is the extent of her story. But isn't that kind of weird how it's called the bride of Frankenstein, even though Frankenstein isn't the monster? But it's- Yeah, it's because Hollywood made Frankenstein the monster instead mm-hmm. of the doctor. Yeah. Of course. Um, also... So I don't, I haven't seen the movie, but I have listened to the podcast, You Must Remember This, does a series on Bela Lugosi, the original Mm -hmm. Dracula, and Boris Karloff, the original Frankenstein monster. Right. Boris Karloff wasn't originally billed or credited as the monster. He was, and it's like, who played Frankenstein? It was just the letter X. Why? To create, the air of mystery. Huh. It drew crowds in. And so later on, he got credit for it. Yeah. Also, he is the narrator in the um, old cartoon of How a Grinch Stole Christmas. Is he really? He is. Boris Karloff? Isn't that? Yeah, Boris Karloff. Interesting. Back into the book. Because he's watching Victor create his bride, he witnesses this next bit. Finally consumed by rage and guilt, Victor destroys the half-assembled bride and tells his monster he refuses to continue and finish. Oh, no. Like, throws the limbs about, destroys the lab. Like, he's not doing it. The monster, again crushed by the life sentence of loneliness, warns Frankenstein by saying, I shall be there on your wedding night. Which, if you say it in the right tone, is a little, like... That's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So Victor starts worrying about the who the monster's next victim in his life will be. It, he kind of, like, almost, you know, I'm going to be there on your wedding night. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. He receives... A letter from Henry asking him to come back to London and plan a trip to India. Homeboys are having a party. Really, they are. Uh, well, Henry is. Victor Henry. hates his life. <laughs> Henry's oblivious to everything. I love Henry so much. So he rushes to deconstruct his makeshift lab and dispose of the body parts. And he goes out on a boat in the middle of the night to dispose the remaining parts. He dumps the remains and lays out on his boat to rest. Wakes up when a wind and storm wakes him up. And this sails of his ship blow him out into sea he fixes slash fabricates a new sail um, with his clothes and he steers himself back towards shore he arrives back to a town near the shore and is uh quote-unquote welcomed by very hostile town folk oh no (laughs) he says uh he's surprised and asks Quote, surely it is not the custom of Englishmen to receive strangers so inhospitably. To which a townsman answers, it is the custom of the Irish to hate villains. Oh, boy. He doesn't know these people. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. uh, so he is then immediately taken into custody and accused of murder and sent to sit in front of a judge for sentencing. For, Whoa. for what? For what? Who's murder? A body had washed up on shore. The familiar to us readers, um, black mark of a finger on the neck so like we know that to us it's familiar like this happened with william's death now it's mm-hmm. on this body on the shore they the townsfolk have never seen this fingerprint but we know that this is the same mo gotcha mm-hmm. and because victor showed up around the same time around the same area he is accused of the crime even though he obviously wasn't there at the scene of the crime yeah at least two witnesses say they saw a very large figure dump the body of henry clerval on the beach and leaves Oh, no. We lost our sweet baby angel. The judge suggests, because it's a fucking great idea, hey, let's all go see the body. (laughs) Henry, or Victor hasn't seen that it's Henry yet. Everyone get on the magic school bus. (laughs) (laughs) Beep, beep. Um, Upon seeing the body of his friend, he becomes violently sick and begins to fade in and out of consciousness for two months, literally scared almost to death, worried sick, again, again, worried sick. 
Worried sick again. Worried himself into depression, into <laughs> almost, almost into a, death. What, like a coma type. Yeah, no, thing. he gets sick. Okay. Um, he is not okay. He's imprisoned well in this state, but he has a nurse and a doctor to like nurse him back to health. Uh, he wakes up two months later and is put on trial and freed because he has like a, a lawyer, I guess. Um, and he was placed back on the Orkney Islands at the time of the murder mm-hmm. because he was seen there by the barely there, like barely inhabited inhabitants. Victor's father comes to take him home because that's what dads do. On the journey home, Victor gets a letter from Elizabeth asking him if he found someone he'd rather marry. General girl insecurities. <laughs> hey, no buddy. Hey. Haven't heard from you in a while. Well, it was like. Don't marry me if you don't want to. I'll, like, die in agony and of embarrassment. And he's like, I still want to marry you. Calm down, bitch. He returns and reassures Elizabeth he's ready to marry her. And ten days later, they're married. Oh, no. Wow. That was quick. You remember the threat. Yes. Do you remember the threat? Okay. The the one from two minutes ago. Remember the threat? Victor does. So he left his honeymoon fearing his fate with a monster. He's dead convinced the monster's going to kill him. Because it's his wedding night. I I will be with you on your wedding night. Mm Mm-hmm. Victor's roaming the halls in weight of his doom, and he hears screams. Yep. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. The monster had strangled Elizabeth. Uh, oh. Victor shoots oh, and not wound, but doesn't wound uh, the monster, and the monster flees. Victor's father hears of Elizabeth's death, and he dies from grief. Oh, Sad. He's lost everybody. Oh. Victor leaves Geneva forever, haunted by the taunts and foreboding um, ever presentless, ever presentness. I made up that word. It's fine. Of the monster. Now they're both destined to be the other's downfall. Victor's determined to capture and kill his creation. He chases the monster uh, further north into the cold tundra climates, slowly getting closer and closer until he's finally within one mile of his monster. And he's on a dog sled, so that helps. If you, have you guys been on a dog sled? No. no. They're fun. I we prefer- don't have snow here. <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't like it. Um. So I've been dog sledding a couple times. They're fast. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. They're real and they're real fun. Um, When, I think in a few years, I'll take you guys because it's really fun. We'll go in like Breckenridge or something. Hell yeah. He's within a mile of the monster on a dog sled when the ice cracks and they're separated. Oh no. So remember, that's the ice island thing that I described him on in the beginning. This is where Robert Walton finds Victor floating on the ice. The story has now caught up with itself and Victor begs Robert to carry on with his mission should Victor die before he kills his monster. It's like, you need to complete this for me. Please do it. This man still hasn't seen the monster doesn't know if it's a real story or if this man's just crazy walton is now the narrator for the rest of it and is writing letters to his sister again tells her the tale victor's dying victor died and then the monster breaks into the cabin of the ship and sees victor's dead body no longer having his creator to torment or his like existent like and or like even like a goal in life as shitty of a goal as it is to like ruin the man's life like that was his goal in life he had a purpose uh, now that's gone, he vows to remain north and alone and harmless until he dies. And that is the end of the story of Frankenstein. But, like, Robert Walton sees the monster, and so therefore it's confirmed. But, yeah. Wow. A chronicle. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real good story. I never realized how good Frankenstein was. I read it for too long ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Since this is the first it. time I read it. Oh. Yeah. Know. I still haven't seen the movie. But, like, the classics. Oh, the classic is so I bad. need to. I just have not had time in the last two weeks. To watch it, I have I haven't slept in a week. It's fine. That's See, like the uh-huh. classics are the best. The the more of the remakes are kind of yeah. Like uh... I have access to I think Teen Frankenstein somewhere, and I have access to like the original Frankenstein. But like digitally, I can get like the sequels and the newer ones. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see those. I want to see the original. Um, but like in the original book, Frankenstein is his monster is intelligent and very oh, smart yeah. and very well-rounded and well-spoken. Like, can't speak or, like, form a coherent thought. Yeah. Like, he feels emotions, and we can see that in the monster in the movie, but you don't know intellectually where he's at. Exactly, and yeah. And it's, it's not to the level of a monster. Well, and, what a good story. Yeah. Well, and also, Frankenstein isn't a doctor in the book. He's just a college kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's just a college kid. He's just doing a dude. Shit. Yeah. yeah. I've only ever heard him referred to as Dr. Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. Nope, not a doctor. Huh. Just went to college and liked I, science. I guess Hollywood did that too. Just yeah. wanted And no to... Igor. There's no Igor. I forgot about Igor. Well, yeah, I mean, that came, I mean, that, that, was that came Hollywood. with Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's like, 
Yeah, like people adaptations of. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that is the story of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. What a good book. What a good story. It was a really good one. Yes, it was. Thank you for telling us the story of the lovely monster, Chloe. You're welcome. I love to refresh my memory on such a wonderful story. Yeah, I I don't know. I just, I'm a sucker for monster movies and things about specifically monsters. Like, I like the ghosty stuff as well, but monster movie, if there is a movie that has, I don't know, like Pan's Labyrinth is one of my favorites. Um, and I haven't I seen that. I've been kicking myself because I'm dying to see scary stories to tell in the dark. And when it came out in theaters, I swore to God I was going to go see it's, it in theaters, and I never saw it's it. It's so good. I know. I'm going to rent it. Amazing. I'm going to. I'm going to rent it. I you can't. You cannot watch it. Clearly. That's fair. No. Here's the thing. I watched uh, David Bowie's The Labyrinth, uh-huh. and that was a lot for me. Oh my. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. You're definitely not allowed to watch this one then. <laughs> no. That one's a good one. Though. It is a good one. I think I would enjoy it now as an adult, but when I was 12, I cried. Oh, well, you were 12. I get it. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for joining us at our spooky time tea party. Don't forget to spread the spook by sharing with your friends and family or whoever else you think might enjoy our show. If you have a story you would like to share or for us to talk about, you can email us at SpookyTimeTea at gmail.com. Don't forget, on Halloween, we are doing an extra special episode, a bonus episode for the month. It will go up the uh, Saturday the 31st, Halloween. So make sure you Halloween join us for that. Halloween spectacular. Spooktacular. Spooktacular. Okay. Get Halloween. the fuck out. Again, <laughs> how did I forget this joke? <laughs> All right, everyone. Also- Oops. If you would like to support us, um, go to anchorfm.com and uh, slash spooky time tea, and you can click on that support this channel, and uh, you guys can help us out with some future uh, podcasts. Yes, guys, we really appreciate it. We would love your support. We love your support anyway, even if you can't support us uh, financially. We love you still. Subscribe, listen to all of our episodes, uh, leave reviews. That would really help us out. It boosts us up. So it, reviews that... and ratings Re- on Apple. Reviews and ratings on any place that you can review and rate, it really helps um, boost the algorithm so more people see us so we can spread we the can word spread further. The spook. Also, spread we love spook. talking to you guys, so don't forget to email us, comment on our Instagram and Twitter, all of that good stuff. We like to talk to you guys. We love responding. We'll almost always respond. There's always one of us that's creeping on social media. So Here, I don't like that you looked at me that whole time. I'm no, on my phone a I lot. I understand that. My screen time is nine hours a day. I don't need to be called out. <laughs> All right, everyone. So we hope you had a wonderful time with us. Remember, if you decide to go out in life and create an undead monster, make sure that you make a partner for them because being lonely isn't fun. For God's sakes, wear a mask and stop parking your car on train tracks. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you had a good night and sweet dreams.